Hey, Brian Parker here with another video. I am doing one today, uh, kind of a unique one. I, I keep trying to get unique uh, videos so I keep your interest, although talking and talking and talking probably I lose your interest, but trying to give you full value for your content dollar. This uh, one is kind of cool today. There's a concept of uh, car repossession, which is based on debt, uh, called claim and delivery. It's a Michigan term of art, but it's essentially uh, nationwide. It's the legal way some jurisdictions and states have to get a car back uh, without making waves or breaching the peace, as opposed to what normally occurs when, you know, you see movies, you see Repo Man, one of my favorite movies from the 80s where a company is not being paid their car payments, so they just send some repo guys out to take the vehicle. That's one way of doing it. It causes a lot of stress and a lot of breach of the peace, which you're not allowed to do, but those areas and those borders are gray. So what a company like, let's say, for example, Ford Credit will do is they will do a claim and delivery, which is, again, a Michigan term of art, but that's a legal way of repossessing collateral. Attached to that is the debt that you have or I haven't or somebody hasn't paid that's losing the vehicle. And instead of knocking on somebody's door late at night and risking uh, life and limb, they do the repossession through a lawsuit. So I have... Uh, for you today that I will put on the screen a lawsuit from a company called Ally Bank Lease Trust. This is an actual case of mine and I felt like I should tell you because the facts are kind of cool in that it's a COVID case. What do I mean? Check this out. The client has a lease. He takes good care of his vehicles. He has decided to lease this vehicle. It's spick and span clean. The payments are regularly made. Everything is cool. The lease term comes up March 20th of 2020. Something March, somewhere around March 2020. That's significant, especially in Michigan. All states dealt differently with COVID. The Northeast, they were a little harsher. <laughs> Uh, and I travel between two states, and the difference is phenomenally large how one state treated COVID versus another. And yet, as uh, Florida treated the situation and Michigan treated the situation, they both ended up in the same place. And it's my belief that maybe we didn't need to be so harsh <laughs> uh, in Michigan. But it harsh they were. So when the S hit the fan... I believe it was February 12, 2020, companies, people, courts, everything just closed down. For the most part, that occurred in most states. It was the duration of the close year or the close down, which marked how a state was handling COVID. For Florida, for example, they tried to keep the schools open the whole time and they keep business as business because business was important and is important and should be important. And they're a warm state, so what works in Michigan in the winter should not be applied 
to Florida. I am going off the rails as I always do. My point being, when my client, this is a real case, took his vehicle in, he'd made all the payments, he'd kept it clean, he had the mileage, they would not take the vehicle back. He tried everything he could. He went to the dealership, he said, here's the vehicle. They wouldn't take it. He contacted the leasing company, which was Ally Bank at the time. They said, yeah, just go take it to the dealership. And this is what happened to him around March of 2020 because COVID was ravaging or, and no one knew how to handle it. It was like a one size fits all. And that one size fits all is whatever you got to do. And so we're all wearing masks or not wearing masks and we're doing things differently. I recall that the courts were closed down for like three months. It was a difficult and weird time. Actually, what's left, this Zoom management of our businesses and our dockets has turned out to be pretty good. But at the time, we didn't know what we were doing and we were just going on faith. And in my situation, the client could not turn his vehicle back. So you've got this lease vehicle. Here, take it. I've made the payments. I've taken care of it. It's yours. They would not take it back. The dealership said, quote, we've got too much. We don't have enough room for your vehicle. We don't know what to do with this thing. So he went home with the vehicle and he called Ally and he kept calling and said, what do I do? Come get your vehicle. They wouldn't do it. So he stored the vehicle and he kept it clean and he ran it as you should do if you're just going to sit with the vehicle. He insured the vehicle. That's thousands of dollars. It's a brand new vehicle. It's a couple, 27 months old. He got it covered. He paid for storage. He did everything one does do. He reasonably tried to get them to take it and they wouldn't. And I agree with him that how much time do I have to invest in getting them to do what they're supposed to do? If he had not turned that vehicle in and he kept it, he'd be in a lot of trouble. But he went to his salesperson. He went to employees. He went to the dealership employees. He tried to involve Ally and nobody would take the vehicle back. And guess what? That vehicle sat in storage, insured, protected, run by the man, just keeping their collateral, not his, uh, it's not his, it's in his possession. So I don't know if nine-tenths of the law, uh, the possession is nine-tenths of the law. I don't know what that statement is. But if something is in your possession, you do have a duty of care. And he went beyond that. He took care of their collateral. It's a lease. It's no longer his. But he did everything he was supposed to do, and he couldn't get them to take their vehicle back. Three years later, they sued him. And in the lawsuit, um, I'll put it up, the second page of the lawsuit, Shazam. You can see specifically they're saying he was in default of the contract. He didn't make payments. He didn't do anything to take care of the vehicle, and now the vehicle's lost all its value because of him holding on to this vehicle illegally. Now, in Michigan and many other states, if you uh, do this claim, it's called a claim and delivery. When a company 
files a lawsuit to get the vehicle back. They're doing it for two reasons. They're not breaching the peace by banging on somebody's door or prying open somebody's garage and whatever people do and then rush with the tow gun, tow truck. They filed a lawsuit under what's here, it's 3.105, MCR 3.105. And it essentially allows you to sue for claiming the vehicle and making a person give up the vehicle. But once that lawsuit is filed, you're then allowed as the owner of the vehicle, and remember owner of the vehicle, to then go to court quickly and go, hey, he's destroying the collateral, he's not taking care of it, he's not doing the right thing, he's damaging the vehicle. Court, give us a quick motion to force him uh, to give up the vehicle to the local authorities or the police. It's a motion that can only occur once the complaint is filed under 3.105 of what's called a claim and delivery. And it's called, it's legal repossession is what I call it. It's called claim and delivery. So they came on strong. He hurt the vehicle. He ruined the collateral. And we tried to get this vehicle back for him and he wouldn't give it up. I'll put that in Shazam. You can see right on the complaint where they're claiming he's doing all the wrong things. But I had an eye. This statue, I knew where they're going with this. They're trying to set this up so they can go and take the vehicle. Now, a side note, he doesn't want the vehicle. It's costing him money. He does not drive it. I have to tell you that. He's not putting miles on the vehicle. He's putting all this money into it, but he's not driving it. So he is doing the opposite of what the statute requires the, in this case, lesser or ally trust do. They've got to show that he's damaging the vehicle, the value is diminished, and they're losing a large part of the collateral. He parked it so the mileage is staying. He cleaned it. He insured it. He protected it. He covered it. By the way, 99.9% of cars aren't that well protected. We leave them outside. We keep driving them. He took their collateral and protected it for them. He just wants them to come and get it. COVID was a little crazy, but three years passed. And you can see Shazam in their complaint. They're claiming they made demand and he ignored them, which is not true. Uh, they attached the lease agreement stating he's not following, he's breaching the lease agreement, but you can't read the lease agreement. It's old. And so someone's just patchwork what may or may not be the lease agreement attaches to the complaint. And I bring this to your attention because it's based on a debt. They're claiming he didn't make the payments and he didn't take care of the collateral, but they also attach an affidavit. See every lawsuit uh, video I've done for you about counter affidavits. That behooves me. It's incumbent upon whoever gets this lawsuit, if it's a lawyer or otherwise, to do that counter affidavit. So see all my videos on killer affidavit, ASS affidavit, um, counter affidavits. It's key, it's always key in these things. It's a debt. And also, I wanna show you a page, the last page of their lawsuit, Shazam. It says, we are debt collectors. Anything you say will be used for that purpose. Well, they're claiming that my client breach the contract with the original creditor. They're not debt collectors, but when they say that, they become debt collectors. 
And in this case, some weird trust company did show up separate from the original lessor. And so that is a third party and they're saying they're debt. So I came in strong as claiming and showing that they are really debt collectors and not protected from the FDCPA regulations that they would be as creditors. They came in with an affidavit, obviously, and they said all these bad things about my client and they know the complete record. And one of the last paragraphs of the affidavit, I'll put it up, Shazam, they claim the affiant that's sworn under oath that is A, calling my client a defendant and their client a plaintiff, and B, that before the affiant signed and sworn under oath, she reviewed the filed complaint. The, the complaint was filed August 15th. This affidavit was signed, as you can see, July 31st. So they, while it's a small thing, you got to tell the truth if you're swearing under oath. They lied. A lawsuit had not been filed, so my client couldn't be a defendant. Also, they said, she said, the affiant said, I reviewed the filed complaint before I did this affidavit. It's not possible because it wasn't filed until two or three weeks after she the affiant signed that. So these are things you focus on. You remember any complaint, you take the allegations of complaint, you write F false or true if it's true, and you deal with the true, which is really minimal, and you can see what you're going to focus in when you're creating your counter affidavit. So in this case, I tore up the complaint, and what I did to head off head them off at the pass, meaning I knew where they were going with the complaint, they wanted just to file the complaint and then to allege, as they did in the complaint, a bunch of BS. Because there's records of him trying to turn the vehicle in and calling Ally. I put in the answer. And, and this is my, one of my keys of most of my lawsuit defenses. Fact specific. Always have a counter affidavit and detail why you're going to win this case or what they did was wrong. And, and you know my mantra is use their own documents against them. How did they get out of their own documents? And they, you always have mm, stuff you can use to use against them because they file hundreds of thousands of these. They don't take any care. That's on them. They have the burden of proof. And your counter affidavit, his counter, my client's affidavit said, I've taken care of the vehicle. There's no mileage on the thing. I insured it. I protected it. I covered it. So they can't do that follow-up motion, which they all want to do with the court saying, hey, you better give us that thing. He's destroying the collateral. Indeed, he's actually increased the value of the collateral. Just think about it. It's a 2018 vehicle with probably 27,000 miles on it. Vehicle prices have already gone up. His is like the low mileage of a beautifully taken care of vehicle that's been protected from the elements that every single car the last three years has gone under. He does not, he's covered it all. So there's no sap, there's no bird drop-ins, there's no sun damage. So I detailed in his affidavit, I detailed in his answer how well, this has been taken care of. So that will head them off of the past. That motion is not going to survive. So why not just get the vehicle back is a great question. 
he does want to give it back, but he's right in the fears that they will hold him accountable for extra costs or create a deficiency judgment, which is part of a debt collection, and then they'll pursue him for that debt. So he is fighting this even though he wants to give it back. That's the unusual, unique nature of this case. So that when there is a resolution, it will favor him. And I am going to file a counterclaim against him for all the money he put into the vehicle and the harm that he's, they're causing him. So the uniqueness of a COVID situation that caused this man, and maybe Ally Bank, to not follow through with the contract which he had adhered to dearly. He'd taken care of it. He'd taken care of the vehicle and they just would not take it back and they are coming back three years. By the way, they're, again, they're claiming we tried really hard to get the vehicle. He just ignored us. There's no evidence of that. And the cool thing is in the interim, Ally Bank has turned the ownership they claim to somebody else with no proof. So I am going to file the counterclaim the same way I file against any debt collector, even though they're not debt collectors, but they are claiming they are. So I have sufficient good faith reason to call them debt collectors and to bring in all the strong ammunition of a FDCPA complaint. And I know the lawyer that signed this complaint just thought it was just another claimant to delivery. He's going to get the motion granted, then he's going to go use the police to get the vehicle. And now he's facing a buzzsaw, the Brian Parker buzzsaw, the viewer of Brian Parker's videos buzzsaw. <laughs> and it's going to be another situation, I just want this to go away. And I'm going to get my client some money also, um, because he dutifully took care of that thing, thousands of dollars. And now to face kind of misrepresentations is what we say. We don't say the word lie and painting him out to be a bad guy. And they will benefit from this great cap collateral. Check this out. If he can be sued and be subject to a motion for claim and delivery because of the collateral being damaged or devalued, isn't it also the case, and this is a Brian Parker thing again, that then if you improve the collateral, don't you get that money? He is, and again, this is the cool thing about COVID, especially I was, a, I, I leased a car and when my lease was up, the value of the lease, because it would, was valued before COVID hit the fan, was so less, so much less than what used cars were going for, you had to buy the vehicle. I could have sold my vehicle for probably $10,000 more uh, if I just sold it to them. When they were offering me 10 grand to just don't keep this vehicle. So he's improved the collateral, so he should get that money back. He put money into the car, protecting it after he dutifully tried to get rid of it. He should get that money back. He should get his attorney fees and costs. So that's the anatomy of a claim and delivery, a simple claim and delivery case with a little COVID, a lot of Brian Parker, and a lot of you. You might want to look at my videos and follow my instructions. I'm not telling you how to practice law. I'm not telling you about the law of your jurisdiction. 
but I'm offering you a fact scenario that you could e easily jump on in your situation or a different fact scenario. But as I counsel everybody, just because you're getting sued and it may seem bleak, hold on, step back. It's just, again, <laughs> we always talk about punching. Someone's coming at you, step back. Because the punch back is a lot more powerful than if you stand and punch back. <laughs> You've got your revving up here, okay? That's my Brian Parker technique with the law, with my advice and counsel to you. You're facing a lawsuit in this situation. This man didn't know what to do. Step back. And when we did step back, we saw all these options to defend against what's generally a draconian, I love that word, or a one-sided lawsuit that you're always going to lose. We're going to turn this around where he gets money and attorney fees back. And I hope you do too. I'll put on my website the lawsuit they filed and his defense and his counter affidavit. And you will see how what I've just said plays out in writing and in the court system. And I expect someone's going to be paying him a nice chunk of change for doing the right thing. I hope I've done the right thing for you today and you enjoy the video and you take something from it and you like and subscribe. And again, I keep trying to offer you more contact buck, as much bang as I can. I thank you very much for your attention and, and listening to me.